This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, Luke Morey joins us to talk NHL hockey. We give our MLB All-Star ballots and compare, as well as a dive into the NCAA Supreme Court ruling. This week in sports covers the NBA lottery, as well as a look forward to the TV sports NBA roundtable coming soon. Again, everyone, this is the Dylan and Dylan show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports back again with another week. Dylan Jesperson here with me as always is my co-host, colleague, main man, partner in crime, all of the above, Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing good today. This week has been a tough one. Um, I Last week on this show, I sat here and I told all of our listeners that the Tennessee Volunteers were going to go into Omaha and they were going to take over and the exact opposite happened. They fell apart, and they are back in Knoxville, Tennessee. It did not take long at all, but it is what it is. Baseball is not treating me very good right now, but it's been fun to watch, and I'm excited for a great show today. Yeah, the College World Series following in line with basically all the postseasons going on with just upsets galore and not expecting what's going to happen, and Tennessee's quick exit from the College World Series definitely fits in that category. Uh Good to hear it. I'm doing well as well. Another week, another show, and another guest from our faithful TV sports staff is here to join us. We have Luke Morey here to discuss some NHL news as we start looking forward to the Stanley Cup Finals. Luke, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm excited for this Game 7 tonight, and the playoffs are going to have been a lot of fun. I'm excited for the Finals. Awesome stuff. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, just after this quick reminder to follow Tunnel Vision Sports on Spotify. That way you never miss an upload of new podcast we are one game away from the stanley cup finals being set and this has one of been probably one of the wildest nhl playoffs in recent memory the montreal canadians already upset the vegas golden knights while the islanders will look for a game seven upset tonight to down the lightning in tampa bay uh luke just give me an outlook on how the playoffs have played out in this matchup coming tonight well, I mean, it's been wild. Like throughout all of it, there have been a lot of upsets, a lot of crazy things that have happened. We obviously saw the Toronto Maple Leafs blow a three-one lead that got the Canadians to the uh, second round, and then eventually to the Stanley Cup Finals. But it's been crazy throughout. We've had two four seeds in the uh, both the uh, semifinals with the Islanders and the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, the Canadians made it. The Islanders have a chance to make it tonight. And I don't remember the last time I've seen two four seeds this far deep into it. And they really handled both of their one seeds. They've really been taking it throughout and they look really good. Yeah. I, uh, I told Luke before we started, I'm not the biggest hockey guy in the world, but I'm trying to become one. And I've paid a lot more attention to the early rounds of these playoffs this year, just trying to get in that process of becoming a hockey guy. And it's been a ton of fun. And uh, we talked about before the show as well, kind of like how all the playoffs this year have just been like a different animal with people back in the stands and everybody. I don't know. It's almost at another level. 
And the NHL has been no different. Um, I remember uh, we talked about this early on a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago, whatever it is. Time's been weird lately. Um, the Winnipeg-Edmonton series was so much fun. I remember I turned off a first-round NBA game and turned that on, and it, it seemed like they played all night. And I, I don't know, I just as a guy from kind of an outside perspective, I've had a ton of fun watching playoff hockey, seeing teams that uh, maybe weren't expected to be in the situation they're in right now, like the Canadians and the Islanders, and just uh, I'm excited for a fun Stanley Cup Finals because even if you're not a hockey fan, the Stanley Cup Finals are a blast to watch, and I've been watching those for a long time now. Excited for what's coming. Yeah, uh, I'm super excited to see this game seven tonight too. The Islanders have been the team that I've attached myself to. I always love watching the underdogs play, uh, and the Islanders have had the toughest route by far, uh, going against the Bruins last series and uh, their first round series as well. And they've done very well in those series, uh, done very handily and. In this series against the uh, against the Lightning, it seemed like after what was it that eight nothing game in uh, in game four or whatever it was that it, the series was basically over. The Lightning were going to take it and and go on and probably be the favorites to win the Stanley Cup Finals. And then all of a sudden, you look up and the Islanders have come back, forced a game seven, and that's what's fun about hockey. That's you know, you'll never see that type of stuff coming in. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, what do you see, Luke, tonight as the probably the most well-versed hockey guy of the group. Uh, what do you see coming up for the Lightning and Islanders tonight? Well, you both are absolutely right. The um, Especially, Dylan Holt, what you were saying with the fans. The fans change so much. We've seen it all throughout all the playoffs, but I think especially hockey is one place where the fans have the most impact just because of their energy. You can hear it in the crowd. You can hear it on the broadcast when you're listening to it, especially with the Islanders. I think the fans need to get a lot of credit because this is their last season in Nassau Coliseum. And every time they're in Nassau, you can hear it. They're bringing it every single game. You can barely hear the broadcast sometimes. They've got the Brian Boucher between the glass. You know, you can barely hear him every time he's trying to talk. And it's just been an absolute blast. But I think some big keys to this uh, game seven tonight is, first of all, that Tampa Bay hasn't lost consecutive playoff games since 2019. They're 13-0 following a loss over the last two years. And so that just shows, speaks to their character, speaks to how, you know, how much they can just turn it back around. Their coach is really good at just hitting the right keys. But one big thing to that is Nikita Kucherov might not play tonight. And he's the leading point scorer for the entire league. He has 27 points in 17 games. Um, he's just been killing this entire playoffs. And if he's not there, it might, it might be difficult for the Lightning to do. But if it's anybody going to get hurt, obviously you don't want anybody to get hurt for your team. But Nikita Kucherov is the one person you would want because they played an entire regular season without him this year. And they know they can do it. They played with 11 forwards. They know what they can bring. And obviously they've still got Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, who if he scores tonight, he's going to tie the uh, the playoff record for most goals scored, most uh, consecutive games with a goal with 10, which is insane. He's scoring every way he wants to. A lot of power plays, a lot of regulars, you know, even strength goals. He just he has a nose for the puck and he finds it every single time and he just buries it. But the Islanders are playing well. The Islanders are just looking fantastic. They're getting they don't score a lot of points, but they're just getting ways. They find the ways to get the big goals. You know, there's some teams where they'll get a couple breakaways and they just can't bury it. And you'll be like, okay, they're going to get the one next one. Every single time the Islanders get a breakaway, a two-on-one, anything like that, on-man rush, they bury it. They know exactly where to find the exact right plays. They bury it every time. They're just so good at taking the opportunities. Anytime you make a turnover, any kind of bad pass, the Islanders are going to be right there and they're going to finish it. 
And I think it's been a great goaltender battle between uh, Andre Vasilevsky and Simeon Varlamov. And it's going to come down to how Vasilevsky plays because the Islanders, if Vasilevsky has one bad, you know, one bad save, he just doesn't make a save. It could be the game. They're just so good at jumping on. And if they play with the lead, it's really hard to score against them. I think the Islanders might pull this one out. I really like them. I think the loss of Nikita Kucherov might be a lot for this uh, lightning to come over, but I think if the lightning wins, Stamkos is going to have a huge game. He's probably going to have to score two goals or something like that. Probably a four point game. A couple assists. Braden Point will have to be good, but he's been good always. You just have to – you can count on Braden Point to get you probably a goal a game, maybe an assist, but the other guys are really going to have to step up and play around him. Yeah, I think that – and that has been the story of this NHL playoffs is there's been teams that, like like the Lightning, have been very deep, maybe better on paper, but like Montreal, the Islanders have been that team where they just seem to get it done at the right time. They get that big goal when they need it. They, they find that breakaway when they do need it, and that's uh, – that's what makes me that's what draws me to these teams these these underdog teams is they just seem to have that it factor. I can't really put your finger on it but they but they do it every time every time they need it. So with that being said, how do you see the NHL finals playing out with uh, Montreal looking forward to possibly the Islanders or possibly the Lightning? I think it's really tough. I mean, to bet against the Canadians, they're the story. I mean, they haven't been in the final since 1992. You know, it, like it's it's the Canadian game. It's kind of their turn to get the cup back. And it's hard to root against Carey Price, too. He's just been a consummate winner. He does everything right. He's never complained about, you know, when he hasn't had a team around him, he's always just gone out there and balled. He plays on his head. He's been incredible this playoffs. I mean, he's just sticking up for them. Anytime they have a bad night or anything like that, he's going to be there. He's averaging a 2.02 goals against average and a .934 save percentage which is just insane. That would have been tops in the league over the regular season. And he's just still one of the league's greatest goaltenders. And when he's hot, you really can't beat him. So I think the Canadians might bring this back to Canada. And I think it'd be fun. We already saw when the Canadians won last night, just how the entire city exploded and watching a Stanley Cup victory through that would just be incredible. I, um, I think it'd be interesting to see a Montreal and uh, Islanders uh, Stanley Cup Finals because it kind of feels like both these teams are kind of like they've got that team of destiny kind of deal hanging over them. That's kind of like what happens when two of them meet in the finals. Obviously, one of them is going to have a bad ending to the storybook, and you never want to see that. But like, it end up being a lot of fun because, like you guys said, the Islanders. It's kind of looked like they were dead in the water a couple times, and they just will not die, which is a lot of fun, and it very much fits hockey. The, these are tough guys that just won't quit and it fits that uh that new york attitude and it's just like the every everybody's riled up around them and it's really exciting uh, but they still got to take down tampa bay and tampa bay is a juggernaut and have been for a while now it seems like um as a guy like as i've mentioned before that's kind of an outsider trying to get in uh it gets you really excited uh for the matchup and what we're going to see in the finals um what are your thoughts dylan about the stanley cup finals yeah, and I agree a lot with Luke with his uh, talking about Carey Price. Uh, whenever I talk about hockey, uh, I kind of relate it to baseball because baseball has been in my life way longer than hockey has. But uh, with the way Carey Price is playing, when you have a goaltender like that, it's like having an ace pitcher that you get to throw every night. It's basically you have your number one on the mound game in and game out. And when they're on their game, if they're having a postseason like Carey Price – you can basically just chalk it up. I mean, it's it's very hard to beat those kinds of goaltenders when they're in a zone like this. And 
in these circumstances. So uh, I, that's what in my mind gives the edge to the Canadians over Tampa or New York, whichever one uh, makes their way out of that side of the, of the playoff bracket. So we will move forward one more time uh, as we're going to look forward to post uh, postseason NHL stuff. Uh, the draft is coming up. I had a question about the number one pick with the Buffalo Sabres. I know Dylan is interested in that number two pick and we're going to have Luke give his, uh, what, what his expectations are with those two picks. Before he gives his expectations, I want to explain my interest in the number two pick. As I've been saying throughout this segment with Luke talking NHL, um, I'm a guy, I've been on the outside of the NHL landscape. I grew up in between St. Louis and Nashville. My favorite team, the Cardinals are in St. Louis, Titans in Nashville. So I'm very tugged between the Predators and Blues. Been to multiple Predators and Blues games, but never really fell in the fandom. I've decided with the Seattle Kraken entering the league, I've decided I'm going all in on the Kraken. I'm announcing my fandom right here. I can't wait for this ride. They've got the number two pick in this draft. I'm excited to see what Luke is going to tell me about my future star player. Well, absolutely. I think it'll also be fun because I think we might see uh, two Michigan boys go one and two. And I know a lot of people have been saying it, but Owen Power going number one just makes sense at this point. Watching him play, he's so good. He's so big. He's six foot six, 213 pounds, but he moves effortlessly. He's really good on the stick. He doesn't make mistakes. He's really good at finding people both in the defensive and the offensive zone. He sets people up for success. I could really see him. Obviously, we're seeing them play right now. Um, Dougie Hamilton, we saw earlier in the playoffs with the Carolina Hurricanes. He's a good comp for, uh, comp for Owen Power, but also Victor Hedman, who we're seeing right now play with the Lightning. They're both really good players, really good on both sides. They can play penalty kill or power play, and they just be a really solid core. And with the Buffalo Sabres, it would just make sense because they've got Rasmus Dahlin as well. And so they'd have a really solid one-two punch on defense that would just carry them for the next decade plus. And then like you're saying with the Seattle Kraken pick, I think Matthew Beignet, the center out of Michigan, he plays really well. He plays hard, which is what you want. You want a blue-collar guy that'll just bring his button lunch pail, go to work every single day, and you need that with a new expansion team. You just need people that'll grind it out. We saw you know, a Cinderella story with the Golden Knights a couple of years ago when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year. And obviously, you, you, know, you can't really set the expectations that high with the Seattle Kraken, but somebody like Beignet is just a winner, and he's really good. I think that would be a great pick for them, just getting points. He's only 6'1", so he's a little smaller, but he just he falls every time. You're seeing it. You know, Martin St. Louis a couple years ago, the smaller guys, they just, you know, they've got more heart. And that's really what you got to measure is just the heart over the actual size. Let's ride. I love it. I get him to Seattle as soon as possible. Let's get some points on the board. Let's get a Vegas type run going. I'm going to have to get myself a jersey. I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Seattle and the Kraken are going to rage. Yeah, and that's uh, another thing that's made the NHL a bit more fun than other leagues in the recent years is they've had two expansion teams now in the past few years, and that's beating every other league by two because I haven't I don't remember the last time any other league has expanded. So uh, great stuff there. Luke, do you have anything else to add before uh, before we let you go? No, I think that's it. Just thank you guys for having me on. This has been a blast, and keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Luke, for joining us this week, giving us the outlook on the NHL storylines. You can catch Luke and our other colleagues, Christian and Alex, on the new TV sports show, Great Lake, Great Takes from the Great Lakes. Uh, their debut episode is on Spotify right now. You can uh, check it out on check it out there and on the website at www.tvsportsmag.com. Thank you, Luke. Me and Dylan are going to move forward now as the MLB season nears the halfway point. 
we start to look towards this year's all-star game held in Colorado. We thought we would share our uh, all-star ballots with you as of right now. You can, uh, you can vote yourself as a fan on MLB.com. So Dylan, we're going to start with the AL. What's your ballot looking like today? All right. So my AL all-star ballot, we've got at first base from the Toronto Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., an absolute stud. Uh, at second base, staying with the Toronto Blue Jays, Marcus Simeon, he's amazing. Just like all these guys, they're all-stars. They're on here for a reason. Third base from the Red Sox, Rafael Devers. Shortstop from the Red Sox, Xander Bogarts. The outfield might be a little controversial. I don't think it is. Um, and I'll explain after we talk about yours. The outfield I've got from the Yankees, Aaron Judge. From the Minnesota Twins, Byron Buxton. And from the Texas Rangers, Adolis Garcia. At catcher, I've got from the Kansas City Royals, Salvador Perez. And at the DH, DH for the AL, my maybe favorite player in the league right now, Shohei Otani. Uh, what's your AL ballot looking like? Yeah, very similar. A few differences, though. I tried to make mine a, a bit different from the the fan voting. I tried to I, I looked at the fan voting after and readjusted, but still have a, a lot of my takes in there. So at first base, Vlad Guerrero Jr. as well, uh, out of Toronto. At second base, I've got Jose Altuve from the Astros. At shortstop, another Astro, Carlos Correa, uh, another great player having a great year. Third base, I'm also going with Rafael Devers from Boston. In the outfield, a little bit of bias here, I will say. Okil Badu from Detroit made my all-star ballot. I will explain once we get into the explanations. I've also got another Astro, Michael Brantley, uh, and then Aaron Judge as well from the Yankees. And at DH, also going with Shohei Otani. And I don't know if you have your pitcher matchups in there, but I got a starting pitcher of Garrett Cole as my AL starter. I so did not Dylan, have, I did not have pitchers. But, yeah, Garrett Cole would be the guy out of the AL. Um, I guess the major differences in our ballots would be the outfield. And we both had Judge, which it's hard not to have Judge. He's such a stud. Um, I had Byron Buxton in there because he plays for the Twins. The Twins aren't the best team in the world. And it's kind of the same story for Adolis Garcia uh, for the Rangers. But they're both having excellent seasons. Um, Garcia is a bit of bias, I'll, I'll be honest, because he is a former St. Louis Cardinal. And he's absolutely tearing it up for the Rangers. And I was like, I want that guy in the all-star game. Um, Originally, I was like, when I was feeling it out, I was like, Mike Trout's got to be in there. And then I was like, wait, no, he doesn't. He hasn't played in a while. So I was like, that opens up a spot. Get a a first-time all-star nod for somebody like Adolis Garcia uh, that I think is exciting. And then the rest of the ballot, I – it was just hard to go away from some of these guys. And I, I compared my ballot to the fan vote as well. And I was like, well, a lot of these guys show up. But I was like, it's hard to hard to go against like a guy like Bogarts uh, or Rafael Devers or Marcus Simeon. It's just they're so good, and it's hard to deny them. Uh, what was your thinking behind your ballot and some right. of the differences? Right, right. I and I agree with uh, with the Trout take, and it's kind of my take on Byron Buxton. He's played a little bit more than Trout, but uh, he's been hurt a lot of the year. So uh, he's a he's a star for sure. Uh, Byron Buxton is a name in baseball that is going to draw eyeballs. But I I wanted to give shout outs to to the guys that have been playing really well this year. Michael Brantley in Houston. The Astros are the hottest team in baseball right now. 
uh, and Michael Brantley leads the major leagues in, in batting average. So I thought it was just tough to leave the, the average leader out of the all-star game. Uh, Akil Badu is maybe not many people have heard of him. He had a great standout start to the year in Detroit, kind of fell off. He had a really tough stretch, but has recently really caught fire and is actually hitting better now than he was at the beginning of the year. Uh, I just, I had the Tigers and Astros game last night. Uh, I covered that game and he went three for five with two doubles. Uh, he is first in uh, the major leagues and rookies for batting average, second in uh, OPS and on base percentage. Uh, and he's just, I, I think a, a future star in Detroit. I, I definitely some bias for me in terms of getting him on that ballot, maybe a bit early for that, but I think he's a future all-star for sure. And uh, that, and that, that was also my, um, with the way with the Brantley pick, that was also my thought process with the middle infield with Correa and Altuve. Houston's been the best team this year, basically the, at least the last few weeks. And maybe I'm getting a recency bias with these guys, but they've been hitting the heck out of the ball in Houston and Correa and Altuve have been a huge part of that along with Brantley. So I wanted to give a nod to the the team that's been doing the best. Uh, but I also agree. Shohei Otani is maybe my favorite player in the MLB right now. So there's no way you're keeping him out of that. I might put him at starter and just, and just ax the DH anyway, just let him, let him hit and pitch in the, in the all-star game. Uh, it might screw over the, uh, the later pitchers, but I'd love to see it. That's, that's the fun of Shohei Otani. Uh, so let's change it over. Let's get your NL ballot. I love that idea with Otani, though, in the All-Star game. Uh, the pitch you get hitting, that would be amazing, and I would love to see it. Uh, my NL ballot, I'll admit, it, it's pretty biased, but it was more biased, but I got upset with my St. Louis Cardinals, and I changed it up a little bit. Um, at first base, I've got Paul Goldschmidt from the St. Louis Cardinals. He, <laughs> he's he been down. He's had down parts of the season. Um and I, this pick was mostly biased. It probably should have been Freddie Freeman of the Braves. Freddie Freeman's amazing. He's got to cover the Braves game last night against the Reds and tore it up like usual. Uh, but I, Goldschmidt is very good. Um, he's he's had hasn't had his best season, but that's the great thing about Paul Goldschmidt. He's a really really good player. He's, if he was having his best season, he would uh, be a lock. Um, at second base, I've got if I wanted to sneak Tommy Edmond in here from the Cardinals because he is up there, one of my top five favorite players that no one talks about. He's so much fun. He had a crazy start to the year and has cooled down as the Cardinals cooled down. Um, so I replaced him with Ozzy Albies from the uh, Braves because he I got to watch him last night with Freddie Freeman and he is also incredible. Um, third base. This one I feel fine having bias with Nolan Arenado from the St. Louis Cardinals, maybe the best third baseman in baseball right now. Uh, he's right up there with Rafael Devers from the Red Sox. Um, at shortstop, right up there with Otani for favorite players in the league, Fernando Tatis Jr. from the San Diego Padres. Um, and then the outfield, I've got Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Braves. And then I've got Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker from the Reds. And at catcher, Got a little more bias because I'm not picking a catcher over this man, Yadier Molina from the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, what does your NL ballot look like? Yeah, I like that. I like the I like the bias, but when you've got a team that's good like that, you might as well stick it in there when you can. 
Uh, I had a, a split at first base. I couldn't decide between Max Muncy and, uh, and the Dodgers and Freddie Freeman of the Braves. So either one of those guys, I wouldn't be uh, mad if either of those guys made it. I was going to go with Albies at second base, but I know the Pirates are so bad. And Adam Frazier is having a, a really good year for the Pirates. So I, I, I'd like to give the Pirates fans something to cheer about. Have their one lone player that's doing well get the all-star nod. So I have Adam Frazier. Uh, also, Fernando Tatis at shortstop. There's just no questioning that he's the he <coughs> brings the eyes. <clears throat> Give me a sec. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tatis is awesome, and it's hard to not have him on the ballot. Uh, he's incredible. Right. All right. Sorry about that. My throat got like clogged. Uh, so we got Chris Bryant at third base for the Cubs. I, I wanted to go Arenado as well, but Chris Bryant is just one of those guys that when he, he jumps off the page, when you see his name and uh, couldn't pass over him outfield, pretty similar. I've got Ryan Lucudia Jr. Nick Castellanos. I also put Bryce Harper in there with the Phillies. That's a little bit of personal bias. I've been watching Bryce Harper since he was a young guy uh in high school and so i i always root for him and if he's having even a decent season i know the fans are gonna vote for him so i'd throw him in there as well uh and i know you didn't do pitchers but i think we can both agree the ground would be the starter for the for the nl set yeah a thousand percent i don't think there's a pitcher that comes close to the ground in the nl um he's or they to be honest he's on a different level right now um I really like both of our NL teams. Mine's mine's biased. I have no problem admitting that I'm going to pick Cardinals over anyone. And third base, I remember I was looking at, and I was like, it's Chris Byron or Nolan Arenado. And I was like, I'm not picking a Chicago Cub. So I stuck with Nolan Arenado. Um, and then with the outfield, I had to swallow pride because I, I'll be honest, I'm very biased when it comes to the NL and especially the NL Central. Um but I've got to watch the Reds quite a bit this year, and I got to go to a game, and I've got to cover them quite a bit. And Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker are a special duo. And that team was kind of dead in the water from the beginning. And that lineup has woken them back up. They've got some young pitchers up in there, and they've they caught fire, and they've kind of come back down to earth, but they're still uh, going strong. They beat the Braves last night. That's a fun team. Uh, if they can make a few moves. They could have two all-star outfielders, and they could make some noise later on. Yeah, and Nick Cassianos is a sore spot again. He was a Detroit prospect as well, so we know we we know all about Nick Cassianos. We knew he was a a good hitter, and he did some things when he was in a Detroit uniform as a hitter. Uh, but I I think now it kind of hurts more because I think I know AJ Hinch wouldn't have put him at third base and would have put him in the outfield where he belongs. And then he probably would still be a Tiger at this point, because the main reason the Tigers ended up getting rid of him was he was one of the worst defensive third basemen in the league. And it made sense at the time uh, to get rid of him. But now you understand he was he was a he was a next level hitter. Uh, But I'm happy to see him show that for Cincinnati. I'm happy to see him get most likely an all star nod. Uh, We will switch gears for our last main topic of the day. The NCAA this week took another huge step forward towards the payment of college athletes. The Supreme Court ruled 9-0 against the NCAA this week and now allows student-athletes to get the same educational gifts regular students would get, like grad school tuition, study abroad opportunities, computers, et cetera, et cetera. 
the main story out of this ruling is the dwindling right of the NCAA to claim the student athletes as amateurs and basically sending us towards the future of college athletes being paid. Um, mainly speaking towards the uh, NIL laws, the name, image, and likeness laws being passed around the country. They're allowing student athletes to make more money from their names and their image and their likeness. Uh, Dylan, I, you, I, I know you and I are huge college sports fans. I just wanted to get your take on everything that's going on in the direction that the NCAA is seemingly going in. So this is a topic that's big time. Uh, headline news. And it's something that I've been passionate about since probably my junior year of high school is the first time I remember it being like a big place in my head. I um, I think I've wrote in total four research papers between high school and college about this exact topic about college athletes being able to make money off their name and kind of just being treated right. Um, I remember when the Northwestern is the football team. I can't remember how many guys it was now, but they, they kind of stepped up and like, Hey, this isn't right. We're not being treated how we should be. The NCAA is kind of taking advantage of us. And it's interesting to see after kind of just like discourse between people. And there was, there's arguments. Cause I mean, there were some people that were like, well, if they get these, uh, if they get to make money off the name, image and likeness, it's going to take the amateurism away from college sports. And it's interesting to see the Supreme Court just be like, uh, no, <laughs> uh, that, that's that's kind of silly. You guys are being silly geese over that NCAA. Uh, this is this is common sense. These guys bring in millions of dollars to these schools. And you're a Michigan guy. I'm a Tennessee guy. We both know how I, I we both know how big these athletes are for these schools and how much money they bring in. I remember going to Knoxville when I was little and going to the uh, book school bookstore and there would be a number eight Tennessee volunteer Jersey. It's not a Tyler Bray Jersey. It's a number eight Tennessee volunteer Jersey. And then there would be a number 11 Jersey. That's not a Justin Hunter Jersey. That's a number 11 Jersey. And that like these guys, like I, neither one of those guys said this, but Arian Foster who also played at Tennessee and then played for the Texans and was incredible in the NFL. I remember he talked about how, he struggled to eat while in Knoxville playing college football because he just didn't have money. And guys and fans are walking around the streets of a city wearing a jersey that's you, but you don't get any money from it. And then the whole uh, NCAA uh, football, basketball, all the other games, all the controversy with that, not making money off that like pro athletes would. Uh, I think this is a huge step. I don't think it's going to kill college sports. I think that argument's ridiculous. I, I think it'll make it more fun, honestly. I think it'll make uh, recruiting more interesting. People can be more in the open. I think it'll take the shadiness away from college sports, hopefully, which is something that everyone knows about, but they try not to talk about it. And I think that's a good thing. We're getting away from uh, behind-door deals and stuff that maybe killed Tennessee football <laughs> and – uh, we're getting everything into the light and uh, treating people how they should be. And uh, I think it's a good day for college sports. Yeah, I'm absolutely in, in agreement on that side of things. Uh, the name, image, and likeness stuff has been on my mind for a long time. It just seems like the right thing to do in terms of college athletes. Uh, a lot more probably needs to be done in terms of just the um, sheer amount of profits that are made off of college sports backs, but the least that we can do is let them make the money off of the, off of their name, image, and likeness. 
like you said, the, the Jersey thing is, is hilarious to me. The what not, not hilarious to me, but what, what was hilarious was playing. Uh, we talked about the NCAA football games. Obviously those players, there was ended up being a lawsuit that those generic players that they would put in those games were obviously using the players likenesses. And I thought it was what was hilarious about that was that there would be in-game fans wearing jerseys with no names on the back. They would say like wide receiver number eight, and it's like you even even the virtual players couldn't have their names on the back of the jerseys, and that that was the thing that like there's something wrong about this. And we know, we know there's something wrong about this. And if you've ever been on a division one campus as a student, as a fan, and you've seen a division one athlete walking around, you'll know that the school treats them differently. There's no, there's no, they're the same as every other student. They have gear and other things that they are allowed to get out of class early. So those are the school is already, uh, treating them differently to, to make these lines at, at places where they get paid or get benefits and stuff. It's so, so shady. It's always been shady. The NCAA has always been shady and it just shows, I mean, this is in no way a political podcast, but to make the Supreme court agree in totality on one thing uh, means you're doing something wrong. So I think this is just like a step in the right direction Hopefully this will now allow for the NCAA to change those laws around the NIL stuff, the name, image, and likeness stuff. Uh, I think the next step is probably the, the NCAA video game coming back is players getting some type of set amount of money to appear in these college video games. And I think that hopefully in my mind that expands what these college video games could be. We could have more than just the football. We could have basketball again. We could have baseball again. We could have some of these smaller sports uh, combined into like an NCAA overall game that would be, you know, all of these different sports and have their image and likeness in there and get them money for it. Because uh, we know what athletics does for these schools in terms of of profits and revenue. and it's on the backs of all of these students. So we should at least give them their fair share of what they're doing uh, has always been my take on it. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited that this is finally the direction that it seems the NCAA is going. It just seems like common sense. And I think the Supreme court's ruling agrees with that. They're, they don't agree on much in totality and they were like, yeah, come on now. Next case. Uh I, the thing, my experience with this rule is uh, my junior year of college at Murray State, I was working for a different media company, and I had a chance to interview John Morant, who's the point guard at Murray State. And I, we were just going to go for a casual uh, interview, just have a good time, both college students at Murray State. And we sat down at a little pizza place in Murray, good old Matt B's, shout out to Matt B, best pizza in the world. And I was going to buy Ja a piece, a $1 piece of pizza. No big deal, $1. And he looked at me, he's like, I got to buy it. I like that we can't do this, that I'll get in trouble. I was like, you, you, we're peers. Like, we were both students at this institute. Like, I'm buying you a piece. He's like, we can't do this. That's not how it goes. And I was like, all right. I just think that's insanity. I was just going to cover the pizza. And they're like, nope, can't do that. That's a, that's an infraction. And it's just, that's insanity that they think that's a 
that's uh, an advantage or anything. Like, I just want to get my guy a piece of pizza. Like, uh, it's it now that we're going into an area where we don't have to worry about things like that and um, hearing stories like I talked about Arian Foster earlier, or just getting John Moran a piece of pizza. That seems like something that you should be able to do. And um, hopefully, NCAA is coming to light. And they're gonna stop being a bunch of silly geese, and we're gonna we're gonna have some fun in the NCAA. Absolutely, and yeah, and that and that did remind me of uh, Shabazz Napier was another guy that that talked about that after they won the national championship at UConn, saying right right afterwards, there's nights I, I go hungry uh, because I can't I can't pay for a meal, and I think as college sports fans, it just doesn't even compute to us because we we see them as such famous individuals. They must have you know, way more than I do, but that's not the case. And, and it, they should at least get their fair share. I don't think they should be, you know, there's, there's a, there's an amount you can debate on how much or how much is necessary, but there's definitely a, a fair share that they're not getting. So uh, like you said, excited that the fun of college sports might be coming to it. in in that regard, so we're going to move on to this week in sports as many of you guys know, I'm a Detroit sports fan through and through. And if you've been listening for a long time, you know, it's been a very frustrating era for Detroit sports. Well, finally this week, we finally had a good stroke of luck as the Detroit Pistons won the NBA draft lottery for the first time in franchise history. They will be picking number one overall for the third time in franchise history. Finally happy to have something good to talk about and regarding a Detroit sports team. Uh, Dylan, just give me your thoughts on the lottery before we get into that. Um, Ben Wallace came through again for the Pistons. He was up there for the lottery and then came away with the first pick, and I thought it was awesome. Uh, it seems like something needed to go Detroit's way for the first time in almost two decades. Uh, they, they definitely needed this, uh, and I'm happy for you guys up there. Um, the lottery shook up different than I expected because I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't expect the Pistons to walk away with the first pick and the chance to get Cade Cunningham. Um, I I, I'm interested with what's going to happen. The Warriors have two picks in the lottery. We got the Spurs in the lottery for what seems like the first time forever. Um, they were in there last year, I think. They just it, it's different. It feels like the Spurs should be in the lottery. Um, the Pacers in there. I I think I talked about them last week and how they're a team. I feel like if they get the right coaching, they can put it together. Who knows? They had a guy at 13. Could be a lot of fun. Um, I, I always love the lottery because you go in expecting one thing. People are like, oh, what if the Warriors get the first pick? What if the what if the Timberwolves get the first pick? And then it comes out. It's like, well, the the Rockets are second and the Pistons are first, and no one expected it. Uh, and now we get to play all these hypotheticals of Cade Cunningham with the Pistons' young core, and then throw Evan Mobley in Houston, and uh, just have a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited to hear your take about the future of your team. It, it, like I said before the show when we were talking with Luke, uh, I thought ESPN was playing a joke on me. I, I like missed the initial announcement and I was watching as it was like playing the, the the order on the bottom and I saw the Pistons at number one and I couldn't believe it at first because that just doesn't happen with the Pistons. If you have any re- recollection of how the Pistons draft lottery has gone, I think we've moved down every time. I don't know if we've ever moved up like even a spot. 
Uh, and I, and then when the Cavs moved up to the top three, I was like, oh, my God, the Cavs are going to get the number one pick again, and they're going to drop us out of the top three again. Uh, but thankfully, it was not that to be that way. The Pistons finally got the number one overall pick. Shout out Ben Wallace for being there and giving us the luck of that 4 team. Um, and I'm super excited. I think Cade is obviously – Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State is the obvious pick, uh, not – the Pistons won't get cute. Uh, we've got a great GM in Troy Weaver who's been doing a lot of good stuff. Uh, and I think he's already said that Cade's at the top of his list. Cade's only coming to Detroit to work out with us. And that I think that was the the headline that made it real for me, that Cade Cunningham's only coming to Detroit to work out. It's like, all right, we've got this. We've actually got a future superstar in our, in our grasp, and he – it, not that he necessarily wants to come here, but he doesn't really have a choice. And, th- and that's fine by me because at least, <laughs> at least we'll have something. Uh, and it sets us up for a really, uh, really exciting time. We've got a, a first team, all rookie in Sadiq Bay, a second team, all rookie in Isaiah Stewart, uh, add Cade Cunningham to that mix, maybe a, a veteran star that wants to come play with a young core like that. And very soon the Pistons could be competitive. And that's, I mean, we see it might not be all because of DeAndre Ayton, but we see how good the Suns have been since DeAndre Ayton became a Sun. Uh, they were very bad, even with Devin Booker on that team. And all of a sudden, you've got DeAndre Ayton. All of a sudden, CP3 wants to come play. And now, all of a sudden, you've got a championship-level core. And that's 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 the fun part. Playing those mental games, is uh, have, being able to play those mental games, something I haven't been able to do with any of my teams. Uh, the other thing I'm looking forward to with the draft in particular is how these uh, G League guys play out. I've seen Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. Those guys have been mocked as high as two, uh, as low as five, six, maybe even out of the top ten. I want to see how those guys, those guys that didn't go to college, decided to go play pro for a year, how they end up, their draft stock ends up anything from them. If, if Jalen Green and uh, Jonathan Kaminga end up going four and five, I think you're going to see a lot more guys go to that G league route because it really, it ended up helping them. Jalen green and uh, Jalen green was a lottery pick coming out of high school for sure. But I don't know if Kaminga really would have been a lottery pick had he gone the college route. So uh, I'm interested to see what happens there for sure. Yeah. I, uh, the G league guys are definitely an interesting watch uh, in the draft. Another thing with Detroit, you get Cade and he's a bigger guy. So it's possible they could they could have sets where you're running Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham, and then you've got a whole lot of potential on that court up there, and that could be a lot of fun. Uh, the thing I'm watching for beyond the beyond what the Pistons do with Cade and beyond the G League are um, are these guys in the lower part of the draft uh, <laughs> by lower lower lottery. I, we're not going to get into the 20s and stuff yet. That we'll talk about that down the road. But like seeing like what. Keon Johnson from Tennessee does, seeing what Jalen Johnson from Duke does, uh, a guy like Davion Mitchell who put on a show in the tournament, seeing what, who decides to scoop him up, and then like Franz Wagner from Michigan. Uh, I think all those guys are really interesting. They're they're going to be guys that uh, teams are going to have sleepless nights not deciding who which one they want, which one they want to pass on. Because um, it's uh, the fun thing about the NBA is one player can make or break a team. And you said it with the Suns, Aiton, he gets in there and they now they might be the best team ever. Who knows? It seems like they can't lose more than one game. Um, it's just a lot of fun uh, uh, kind of hypotheticals and just seeing what will happen in the future. 
Yeah, and it's been awesome. Uh, like you said, uh, two of our guys, Keon Johnson from Tennessee and Franz Wagner from Michigan, both shooting up draft boards right now. Keon, Keon had probably the best combine numbers, uh, and, and Franz has just been working his way up just from uh, being Franz. Uh, I don't think he's really doing much of anything but just existing. Uh, we will wrap up here now. We'll move forward to our look forward segment of this week in sports. Uh, we actually wanted to – Look forward to something that we're all going to be doing here at Tunnel Vision Sports. A bunch of contributors for TV sports will be joined by Scott Steinberg, longtime producer at Big Ten Network, for a special NBA roundtable talk before and during and probably after the NBA Finals. I know this is something Dylan and I are super excited to not only help along with, but be hosts of. Uh, something that we think is a great idea and it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to hear all of the different takes and opinions on the NBA finals. Uh, Dylan, anything you want to add there before we move forward? Yeah, I'm just excited to talk some hoops. Uh, I love coming on here and talking basketball every week and uh, we'll get to hear some different thoughts because uh, we kind of know where the two of us are going when we start talking the round ball. Uh, it'll be exciting to see what other guys think, especially it's looking like this could be a fun NBA finals, whatever way it goes between the four teams. Um and I'm just excited to see how it goes. Um, basketball is just so much fun. And the past week has been a blast watching the Hawks, the Bucks, the Suns and Clippers. So I'm just excited to see where it goes and be along for the ride. Me too. I, I think one of the things that Tunnel Vision Sports is we, we've grown a lot. We've got we've gotten a lot of new great minds and great writers on our staff. And I think our basketball staff is maybe the strongest of any of our sports. Uh, I think even like you and I are kind of Swiss army knives in terms of what we do, but I, we're very strong in basketball. I know we've got great guys in Blake and Christian who are very strong in basketball as well. So, and I'm excited to, to hear with Scott or talk with Scott and hear what he has to say as well. So uh, be looking forward to that. Uh, a preview show before the NBA finals starts somewhere in, uh, in July and then more shows to come out as the NBA Finals progress. Uh, last but not least, we're going to look forward to the games coming up this week and this weekend. Uh, obviously, Game 7 of the Islanders Lightning is tonight. Excited to see what happens there. Uh, the Tigers are taking – I've talked about it earlier. The Tigers are taking on the hottest team in baseball with the Astros. The, they lost last night in a four-game set, but I'm excited to see that. Uh, it's type, it's that type of series where you see how your young guys stack up against like the best team and you know what you need to to do to to be one of those best teams. So I'm excited, nervous, but excited for that. Uh, Dylan, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, I'm gonna say what I'm not looking forward to because I think I've jinxed myself every single week since I started looking forward to St. Louis Cardinals baseball because they have not been good since I started talking about looking forward to them. So I'm not looking forward to the St. Louis Cardinals and Pittsburgh Pirates. I hope that's a little bit of reverse voodoo and they, they get their magic going again. Uh, what I am looking forward to is uh, watching Trey Young and Devin Booker in these playoffs. They've both been the best kind of silly geese they possibly could be. Trey Young going out there scoring 48-11-7 in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals in Milwaukee is ridiculous that off the backboard alley-oop to John Collins in the Eastern Conference Finals on the road against maybe the best defender that's not named Rudy Gobert in the NBA, and he still might be better than Rudy Gobert. Giannis is incredible, and they they literally just do not care, and I love it. It's uh, They kind of embrace the role of the villains, and I, 
I can't help but root for the Hawks and Suns because they're almost like the inverse of each other. It's like the Suns have kind of taken on that hero role. Everybody's like Booker and Aiton. We love them. CP3 is like the old man mentor that everybody loves. Campaign from Murray State's become the star of the playoffs. And I, I will hear no arguments to it. He's the he's the man given the MVP. Um, and then Trey Young and John Collins, it seems like New York and Philadelphia both want them out of the league and want nothing to do with them. And it's just been a lot of fun watching them. But you've got two teams and the Clippers and Bucks who want to send them home. And I'm excited to see what happens in those series this weekend. I'm excited for some game seven hockey tonight and excited for the College World Series. See where it goes this weekend and uh, see what happens out there in Omaha and all the fun stuff without the Tennessee Volunteers there. Yeah, absolutely. I think you summed it up great. I think the younger part of me would have loved the Suns and the hero aspect of CP3 getting his chance at his first title and Devin Booker kind of being slept on and now being the hero. The adult part of me now loves the villain of Trey Young and how he just gets in the into the heart of all the fans that he's playing against, especially on the road. I got to cover that that game one and to like you said the off the glass, there was the, the play where he found himself wide open on the three point line, just gave a nice little shimmy of his shoulders before not calmly knocking down a three. And it's, those are the types of things that just make me love basketball. The, the fact that Trey young is, is doing those types of things, making it fun like that is what's made this playoffs so fun. And it's got me on the Trey young train. I, I think I was probably rooting for the Suns, rooting coming into the, the two conference finals. I think I'm, over on the Trey Young chain, but like you said, the, the Hawks Suns would be an amazing finals matchup. I think we're all rooting for that to to play out that way. Uh, all right, all right, that is going to do us do it for us here on the Dylan and Dylan Show this week. Another great show. Reminder where you can find us online on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore Tunnel Vision or at underscore TV Sports. Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at www.tvsportsmag.com. Another great show. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Luke, again, for tuning in with us, talking NHL. Thank you to the listeners who have made it all the way through, and we will see you guys next week.